Hello and welcome to this case study podcast. My name is Jacqueline. I'm one of your hosts and I'm here with Andres. And he's going to be joining me in talking about the Great Texas Blackout that happened in 2021. Right. So the Great Texas Blackout was a blackout that happened due to an Arctic storm that passed through Texas. Uh, it was called Winter Storm Uri. And it happened from February 13th through to February 20th. Um, during that time, a lot of bad things happened. Um, there was a lot of property damage caused by the storm. Uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, systemic issues that were found out about the grid itself. And worst of all, um, hundreds of people died. Yes. So unfortunately, there was several deaths that happened due to the blackout. And we'll definitely get into more details of those ethical dilemmas and how they were dealt with, which we don't agree with. But before we get into that, I do want to talk a little bit about the United States power grids and how they work. So there's three different power grids in the whole United States. It's the Eastern, Western, and Texas grid. So the Eastern grid, there's some connections in Canada and that goes all the way down to Florida. And that's actually the one that New York is connected to. And then we have the Western grid, which is the majority of the West Coast. And then of course we have uh, the Texas grid, which is just in Texas. Um, and that's completely independent. But just to give you an idea, if there were to be a blackout in New York, we would get energy from neighboring states. So there would be a big possibility that the blackout doesn't last more than a few minutes because we are interconnected between all these states. Same with California or Nevada, if something were to happen to them, they would immediately get power from their neighboring states. Unfortunately, Texas doesn't have that luxury of sharing power between its neighboring states. So what happened in 2021 made its, when it completely went out, made the blackout last for a week because it gets all its sources within the state itself. So yeah, well. Right, so actually the design of the, um, of the Texas power grid is that all the generation companies are located inside of Texas, whereas, you know, generation companies in the other two grids, are, they can be found anywhere. Um, Texas only gets its energy from Texas. So, you know, that there's a problem with that. There's several problems with those designs. One of the problems which you mentioned is that there's not going to be any electricity coming in from somewhere else. Yeah. Another issue is that once those go down, that's it. You know, um, there's not going to be any power supply to those either. It's kind of a double-edged sword having that system in place. Yeah, and um, just to reiterate, it was pretty severe because this entire system, this entire Texas grid system was within minutes of completely collapsing. And when I say minutes, we're talking about less than seven to five minutes. And if it would have completely collapsed, they would have required to do what's called a black start, which essentially they restart slowly the plants. And through this slow process, each individual plant powers up again and then gradually sends back um, power to the grid. Right. But this would have taken months. And I'm talking about months. Like if this would have happened 
people all over Texas would have not have, would not have, sorry, any power supply whatsoever for months. And that's pretty big considering that um, in just a week, so much happened. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to mention what really caused uh, this to happen. And it was failures in the in the generation systems. Um, so originally it was um, issues with planning. Texas in the past had already had this 20s. happen to them. You know, it happened in 2011, it happened in 1989. And um, so they already knew some of this was coming. Um, and I know that they had been told by the federal government as well, correct? Uh, yeah, so there were prior warnings, specifically the most recent one was in 2011, where the Texas power grid again uh, went completely blackout for a few hours. So what had happened is the FERC, or F-E-R-C, which does stand for Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, did recommend to Texas at the time to winterize all its power plants. And Texas deemed this as not mandatory. So um, because it's not mandatory, this Texas power grid avoids federal regulation because it is its independent power system right and as opposed to sorry uh eastern and western grids who do follow who do need to follow up with these federal regulations right um well texas power grids are managed by um, a company called ERCOT, which stands uh, for the electric reliability council of texas um they are heavily affiliated with the state of texas but they are not a, a governing body or um an organization attached to the state of Texas. They are their own private entity um, and they are a non-for-profit company. So uh, their whole reason for being is to manage the system and they are allowed to operate outside of the federal government because Texas is not connected to anything else. Um, this is kind of important to know because that means that the entire Texas power grid can be controlled just by this entity. Now, the entity has um, 11 people on its board. Um, five of those people are appointed by the governor of Texas, and the other six are different people coming from different places. One of those people is Paul Foster, who's a billionaire uh, from Texas. He used to own Western Refining, which was a natural gas refinery. Um, it recently sold to a company called Tesoro. But it kind of shows you, you know, where the values were and who they were looking out for at the time that this was going on. So this management company is the one who manages all the generation companies and sets the prices and things like that for the electricity going on. Now, those failures come at that organization, ERCOT's failures, to not mandate uh, the winterization of those generation companies. From the FERC. Right. Um, and that is, I find that a little bit ironic because if you have such powerful board members like billionaire Paul Foster in this um, governing party of ERCOT, you would think he would push in fixing or upgrading these power grids and that it would get done. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's interesting because uh, that kind of brings up, you know, how they think a bit. Who is Paul Foster affiliated with? Now you also have to think about the other five people on that board that are appointed by the governor. You know, the governor receives, um, at least from my reading, 
uh, it was something like $26 million in campaign funding from uh, big Texas oil and gas. So are they looking out for, you know, the, the welfare of the people of Texas? Or are they looking out for profits? Now, another thing that's important to know is that ERCOT does provide reports every season. Um, and but by what I mean, what I mean by every season is winter, fall, spring and summer. Mm -hmm. So they know the demand of electricity that they're going to have to serve to the state of Texas um, based off of those reports. Now they have an upper and a lower number. Once it starts reaching the upper number, they know that the protocol or the protocol that they've set is to turn off power to people's homes. Now, this is the reason why they have that is because those generation companies, it will come at the cost of their profits. So their profits will be cut by a bit if they provide, um, if they provide power to everyone's houses instead of running rolling blackouts. Yeah. That's so, protocol. Um, I'm not sure if every, anyone was under the impression, but at the beginning of all this, um, of last year, I was under the impression that, oh, um, you know, the great Texas blackout happened because, you know, there was lines of electrical wire freezing over and that's why these poor people couldn't provide uh, or get the necessary electricity to survive. And so I was thinking it was due to the system completely being frozen over, like houses freezing over and things like that. Um, because I was thinking of the water system, for example, there was some water pipes bursting from it being frozen over at people's homes. So I was thinking that that was similar to its, you know, electrical system. But when we were reading more into this, I, you know, found out that no, it was their cut cutting off power supply. They could have easily provided power supply, but they were cutting it off. Yeah. Um, and if you do look into this, you'll see some videos online of these people who have had their power cut off for the uh, for a few days going down the street and going more into, you know, these shopping centers and stores that are still closed, but the the street is well lit and all these stores have their lights on and everything is still going on. So it did show the difference between neighborhoods completely being uh, without electricity and all these big um, shopping centers or buildings still with electricity. Yeah. And yeah, you had all these people telling themselves, oh, well, why does, why do they have electricity and not us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is that um, if, you, if you look at it, these these installations that they have there at, at, at the generation companies, most of them were only made to last like 50 years. Uh, they were supposed to be replaced after those 50 years and they were put there in the 1950s. So we're already 20 years over when they should have been replaced. The equipment is obsolete. That's another reason, you know, for why they went out. Now, the thing is, is that uh, it would be at the expense of those companies to upgrade their systems, you know, and this is what ERCOT's looking over. ERCOT's looking out for those companies' profits. So another way to look out for those companies' profits is to not hold them to upgrade, do things like that, right? Yeah. Um, well, there was this 
article have these researchers estimating how much it would be to go ahead and winterize these power plants and to winterize all the power plants in Texas, which I believe uh, from what we were reading, there's a little bit more than 650 power plants. So there's a lot. <laughs> but in order to completely winterize all these power plants in Texas, it would cost between anywhere from five to $20 billion. And that's definitely a lot of money. But that is in comparison to building power plants from the ground up that are weatherized to Texas extreme um, climates, which is either very hot Texas summers, or in this case, like last year, very below freezing winters. And we all know that Texas, the majority of Texas isn't built for strong winters. Like, right. you know, you have infrastructures here in New York who are and ready for that. But in comparison to that, these power plants that can produce at least one gigawatt worth of power uh, would cost about a billion dollars. And just to give you guys an idea, one gigawatt worth of power can provide energy to 750,000 homes. So that's a lot. That's a lot of energy right there. So in order for us to produce those brand new power plants that are weatherized to Texas conditions, it would cost a billion dollars. So imagine having to replace 650, uh, you know, plus power plants. That would be minimum at least $650 billion. Um, so it would be better to uh, just weatherize them instead of yeah so yeah you could definitely um it would definitely be more cost efficient to texas to just winterize the already existing power plants right so which is interesting because um the property damage that was done is estimated at 195 billion according to a study done by uh, university of texas at austin so you know it, it's again it's those companies sticking it to the people and they don't change unless they're forced to change. And a lot of the time that even comes um, at the expense of the taxpayer because they're going to be the ones paying for the upgrades and things like that. Uh, Not I, only does it come at the cost of the taxpayers or, you know, the cost of money, but it comes at the cost of people's lives. You know? Right, right. Unfortunately, something that uh, bothered me a lot reading and researching this was that Texans did not receive proper warnings um regarding the storm coming so you know you would think that the governor would provide certain warnings to its people but they did not you know not neither did other public officials like the senator or um big news outlets in fact i think they had estimated the wrong type of weather that was going to happen. Yeah, right? yeah, that was the thing that came out in that UT Austin study was that the weather reports were all incorrect as well, um, which is kind of funny that you say that because it also shows where Texas government was at at the time, uh, where their state of mind was. Uh, Ted Cruz, for instance, the senator, uh, the senator there in Texas was in Mexico with his family yeah, on vacation. Yeah, so he was warm, you know, and... Uh, and he didn't have to worry about his family being in that cold. There was a, also during that time, uh, people were observing that some neighborhoods, some more affluent neighborhoods, were receiving electricity. 
and the middle class and poor neighborhoods were not receiving electricity. So in some weird way, there was also that kind of, uh, um, what's it called? Like that kind of mistreatment, I guess, going on. And that is very sad because obviously um, if they would just have a, if they would have had a chance to at least prepare or know what steps to take uh, to protect themselves, maybe there wouldn't have been so many deaths. And um, I think we briefly mentioned that there was 246 deaths. 246 deaths, yeah, on that. In that time period of the week. And that's according to the state's Department of Health and Human Services um, that they released its final report stating that it was 246 deaths. But there is other outlets, there's other articles stating that it could have possibly been more deaths that they're just not accounting for, but definitely was due to the blackout. Right, yeah. And the thing is, is that a lot of people, um, they use equipment to help them survive. So for instance, there's people who have respirators and things like that, or that they have uh, live-in nurses that um, will Go utilize that, that equipment Yeah, and while they're taking care of them. When the rolling blackouts were going on, they were not able to get that kind of power to uh, keep that equipment going. So, yeah. you know, that's one thing to think about. And it really, uh, really makes you think about the ethics of the people at ERCOT, the government, the governor and, um, and not just them, but also at the lower level, the engineers who work for these companies, you know? Um, how can you justify working for companies that, you know, choose their profits over the welfare of people when even the NSPE states as, I think, their number one code that the engineer is supposed to uphold the welfare of the public first and foremost, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, that's definitely hard because it's literally one person against a big corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's true. They could possibly be doing all they can, but also at the end of the day, the one with the final say is people like Urquhart, people like the governor. Well, right? What would happen if you know engineers went on strike, things like that? Yeah, it would have been worse, right? Imagine if oh. engineers would be like, okay, well, you know what, ERCOT, we don't agree with you cutting power supply to Texans. We're going to strike out. That's true. It's yeah. like, well, who's going to run the power plants now? More catastrophic, catastrophic events could happen. Yeah. And I think um, there was other some other few cities in Texas that weren't affected at all by the blackout. For example, El Paso, Texas, who um, has its own power grid that's actually interconnected to the Western grid, which is in New Mexico. Um, and they weren't affected whatsoever by this great blackout because they have their own power supply. So they actually also have winterized their, they've invested in winterizing their power system which is great because it emphasizes and it shows how important it is to be interconnected with neighboring states yeah so that when things like this happen it doesn't result in 246 plus deaths right you know 
there's definitely a lot of things that could have been done too. For instance, uh, just setting different protocols, you know, not worrying about profits at the end of the day. Um, having, you know, having a baseline of, uh, of uh, energy resources that you can tap when you're needed. There's a lot of things that they could have done to prevent this, especially since they had that um, prior FERC. warning. Yeah, the FERC yeah. reports. A lot of people say they did have 10 years to prepare. Yeah. You know, even if it's, you know, maybe not all 650 power plants that they have be winterized in overnight, but maybe if they have winterized a few hundred, you know, would it have been so severe? Maybe yeah. it would have lasted only two days instead of a week. And the way, um, the way that ERCOT operates, there's not really a way that you can understand and say, hey, well, they're doing what's best for the population as a whole. Uh, seeing how, you know, it was on the brink of collapse anyway, there's not any way that you can say that they cared about people. And uh, the government itself, you can't say that they cared for the public. They saw them as, as fellow, you know, humans, for instance. If Ted Cruz would have seen, you know, the millions of homes, the 4.5 million homes without power and known that there was children in their cold, children like his kids, maybe he would have stayed in Texas, try to help out a little bit more. There's things like that that, you know, it kind of, it kind of brings up who are these people and how are they acting? I don't know if there's any, uh, like, I don't know if there's any things that you learned from doing this study. For me, you know, it was mostly seeing that as an engineer, a lot of times you, the company you work for is what limits your values. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, you could take that, you know, there's certain things that are above your pay grade. And not only that, but that you really have no power in even if you wanted to do something. Yeah. I'm sure there was several engineers that worked for ERCOT that wanted to do something, but they just are very limited to what their authorities tell them to do. Yeah, and even their code. You can't responsibly leave this company knowing that there's people relying on you, you know? Yeah, of course. So you kind of have to take that abuse just for the sake of others, which, you know, is uh, says something about you, but it also says something about the systems in place. Maybe the systems themselves can also have ethics. Yeah. The question here is, will they provide these ethics that benefit everyone? Right. To the system. And upgrade their system soon, right? Yeah. Is this information very much out there for the people, the Texan people to acquire. Well, I know that you and I had like a difficulty, you know, getting reliable, not necessarily reliable sources because we were looking at reliable news sources. We but were looking at result. schools, right? Uh, it's, it's about getting those same results. Now, a big issue that you and I saw was that, for instance, with this UT Austin um, report, they're heavily affiliated with ERCOT. They're heavily affiliated with national gas companies. So, you know, how does that change what gets put on the report? Yeah. You know, it that, that's does. something that's that's interesting, considering that there's 
Texas themselves put out a higher number of, uh, for the death toll than UT Austin reported. UT Austin reported, I think, 57. And um, Texas reported 246. That's not including Mexican deaths that were also connected to uh, the Texas, the Texas power, grid. power grid. So this was definitely an interesting topic, I think. It definitely was. And it's something to consider. And I feel like not just Texas, but any state can definitely learn from the situation. Right. Especially because, again, it's not just Texas that has outdated power grids. It's the entire United States. It's the entire United States. And uh, I know at least here in New York, there's also competing companies, um, energy companies. So maybe New York has the winter figured out, but if there's ever a heat wave and things get overheated, will they be able to operate? You know, will... Mm-hmm. People be left with out AC without something to cool their food supplies, things like that. It's interesting. But thank you all so much for joining us. And thank you. Hopefully, you guys look into these things. It's definitely a very interesting topic and event to have learned from. Yeah, we appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Bye.